This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to The Guardian Long Read, showcasing the best long-form journalism covering culture, politics, and new thinking. For the text version of this and all our long reads, go to theguardian.com forward slash long read. A Funeral for Fish and Chips Why Are Britain's Chippies Disappearing? By Tom Lamont One summer ago, before the region's fish and chip industry was shaken by closures, before a death that was hard for people to bear, a lorry heaped with the first fresh potatoes of the season drove along the east coast of Scotland. This lorry wound its way along the east nuke of Fife, dodging washing lines, mooring bollards and seagulls, parking with impunity to make deliveries. There was an understanding in the East Nuke that nobody would ever get angry and honk at the inbound tatty lorry, fish and chips being a staple meal vital to the region's economy. Tourists come shocking distances to sit on old harbour walls and stab around in takeaway trays with wooden forks. The fish and chips sold in the East Nuke might be the best in the British Isles, and because of that, it follows the best on the planet. Even so, by July 2022, local friars were finding it harder and harder to balance their books. The driver of the tatty lorry, a red-cheeked Scotsman named Richard Murray, carried keys for most of the businesses on his route to save from waking any tired friars who'd been up late the night before poring anxiously over their sums. War in Ukraine, coupled with ongoing complications from Brexit, had driven up prices of almost all the goods that fish and chip shops depended on, from live ingredients to oil and salt to packaging. Most distressing was the problem of rising energy costs. This meal is prepared using a great guzzler of a range cooker that must be kept on and roiling at all hours of a trading day as the price of gas and electricity threatened to double, then triple through 2022, friars were opening their energy bills with gritted teeth. A trade association, called the National Federation of Fish Friars, said that as many as a third of the UK's 10,500 shops might go dark, warning of a potential extinction event. It was about 8am when Murray drove his tatty lorry into a village called Pittenweem. He was met on the road by Alec Wise, a skilled friar, 59 years old and known as Eck, who ran a takeaway called the Pit and Weem Fish Bar. The tiny shop 
had been bought by Wise's father using money from the sale of a family fishing boat. There were nautical portraits on the walls. A peg letter menu listed eight unchanging menu items, one of which was described in its entirety as fish. Working together, Wise and Murray unloaded sacks of potatoes from the lorry, carrying them inside on their shoulders. A mile along the shore from Pitt and Weem in the smarter harbour town of Anstruther, Murray parked his lorry outside a fish and chip shop called the Wee Chippy. Founded by Ian Fleming, a 64-year-old seafood trader with a tattoo of a shark on his forearm, the Wee Chippy stood across from a seaweed-covered strip of beach and a cobbled jetty. Fleming later told me it ruined his marriage, this fish and chip shop. The hours, he growled in explanation. Daily operations had long since passed to his business partner, a chef in his forties called Chris Lewis. But Fleming kept a close eye on the wee chippy, which had absorbed such a big part of his life. Leaving Anstruther behind, the tatty round almost done, Murray swung his lorry inland in the rough direction of Dundee and a fish and chip shop called The Popular. Bright and cramped, the popular had an eye-catching facade that was painted brown and beige green, making it resemble a snooker table turned on one side. A family concern, the popular was staffed six days a week by a man called Graham Forbes and his wife Angela and their two adult children. Though Forbes was in his mid-seventies, he was the one who rose early to let the tatty man in. He liked to get started about the same time the sun came up feeding potatoes into the popular's rumbling peeler. These three businesses, the Pit and Weem Fish Bar in Pit and Weem, the Wee Chippy in Anstruther, the popular in Dundee, shared not only a potato supplier, but the near-religious devotion of the communities they serviced. They were run by men and women who had thick skins, literally so, when it came to their fingertips, which had become so desensitised to heat that they could be brushed against boiling oil to better position a fillet of frying fish or test the readiness of chopped potatoes as they fizzed and crisped. But these people were not invulnerable to strain. By the following summer, two of the three businesses would be gone, forced to close against their owner's will. I visited the East Nuke several times during that difficult year, in high tourist season, in the eerie quiet of winter, in the limbo between. As a national industry founded, I wanted to document what it was like for a group of friars as they were brought to the brink, competing against each other even as they helped each other out, always prepping for tomorrow, cooking for today, running their numbers at night, trying not to become yet another fish and chip shop that disappeared. Between July 2022, in July 2023, things got tougher and sadder in the East Nuke than anybody predicted they would. By the time I made my last visit, people were in mourning, having said goodbye to a beloved local figure who gave their all to a cherished, suddenly endangered trade. And it was no longer so difficult to imagine a world without fish and chips. The origin question, wrote the historian John Walton in his definitive History of the Dish, is a matter of murky and probably insoluble dispute. Should Londoners take the most credit for its creation and proliferation, or Lancastrians, the textile towns around Manchester, or the fishing ports of Scotland? 
Undoubtedly, fish and chips is immigrant food, imported, perfected and perpetuated by a mishmash of refugees and others originating from Portugal, Spain, Eastern Europe, Italy, Cyprus, Greece and China. The method of deep-frying white fish in a liquid batter made of flour and egg or milk was likely brought over to London by Jews in flight from Catholic inquisitors. Walton and other food historians have identified chipped potatoes in the French style being sold from carts in the industrial Pennines as early as the 1860s. Whether styled as chippy with a Y, chippy with an IE, chippery, chipper, fishery, fish bar or fish restaurant, whether given cheerful punning titles, the haddock paddock, the place to be or rootsier names that acknowledge their founders, Jimmy's, George's, Lowe's, Long's, These shops proliferated through the 20th century, carpeting the land from the northernmost Frankies up in Shetland all the way to the smugglers down on the tapering tip of Cornwall. The fundamental cooking method is always the same. Fillets of white fish, usually haddock or cod, are slapped about in a viscous yellow batter before being dropped into 180 degrees Celsius baths of oil. An experienced fryer will tend their bubbling fillets compulsively, using a metal strainer to turn and tease the food as the batter flares and hardens, basting with twitches of the wrist. After about five minutes, the battered fish will be golden, carved in on itself like a banana, firm enough to be set atop chips without surrendering its shape. As for the chips... These are made from white potatoes, peeled and cut to the thickness of thumbs, then placed in a steel basket and submerged in the same hot oil until they will crack apart when squeezed. There is resistance in Scotland towards the frying of cod, which is seen as an English lunacy, but it is generally accepted that potatoes grown in the drier soil of England do better when fried, being lower in glucose and less likely to caramelise. National pride stretches so far, only not so far as brown chips. Ideally, just after eating a portion of fish and chips, you should be aware that what you've just put inside your body was prepared using ungodly quantities of grease, yet you don't yourself feel greasy. This paradoxical richness, without grossness, an angelic lightness of touch in preparing one of the heaviest meals on earth, sets the better shops apart. At the Golden Galleon in Aldborough, Takeaways are lined up in paper pouches on the counter, the fish tumbled in with the chips, all to be eaten with a rooting fork. At the Ashvale in Aberdeen, the hungriest diners can order a whale portion, so huge that anyone who finishes it unassisted wins a prize. Along a particular stretch of pavement in Holborn in London, pedestrians walk headlong into a bubble of airborne fat that seems to enclose a shop called the Friar's Delight. They fry in beef dripping at the delight not vegetable oil, creating a flavour that is fattier, more unctuous. At the popular in Dundee, Graham Forbes and his family cooked using beef dripping as well. Sit-in diners at the popular huddled into wooden booths, sometimes packing so close, Forbes told me, that if those at table one were talking politics, those at tables two and three were inevitably talking politics as well. He tended not to think of the popular as a business, It was a little world, and like any world, it had its points of pride, its stubborn habits. One day I spoke to a man up the supply chain who oversaw the weekly tatty runs through the East Nuke. 
His name is Connor Booth. He works for a Scottish company called John Callum Potatoes. Booth explained that the top fish and chip shops are kept consistent by generations of rolling tradition. But many of those traditions, the dawn calls to prep ingredients, the midnight equipment scrubbing, the reliance on inefficient cookers, have made willing staff scarcer and costs harder to bring down. Every industry has to adapt to survive, said Booth. Unfortunately, in fish and chips, there's only so much you can do while keeping it traditional. The potatoes need their peeling, the fish needs its frying. Last year, as trading conditions worsened, proprietors were giving interviews to local newspapers, explaining the pressures they were under. These communications tended to have the tone of panicky messages, scribbled by hostages. At the Crispy Cod in Worcester, they said, It feels like we have no control. The Gypsy Lane Chippery in Leicester, it's scary. Paddy's Place in Cricketh, need help. In the town of Macduff in Scotland, a shop called the Happy Haddock received a bill that put up its energy costs from £600 a month to £2,000. The Happy Haddock closed. Roughly the same thing happened at the Friar Tuck in Belfast. Then at Barnacle Bills in Somerset and Chip Ahoy on the Isle of Wight, at Chung's Chinese Chippy in Lancashire, a note to customers appeared in the window similar in substance to the messages put on display at Stefano's in Glasgow and chalked on a blackboard outside Jones's place in Caldicott. Due to excessive price increases in all areas, raw materials, labour, fuel and utilities, we have decided to close. At the popular in Dundee, the Forbes family issued a plea to customers via Facebook, Use us or lose us. Graham Forbes' son, Lindsay, had already given an interview to a Dundee newspaper that amounted to a forewarning of closure. A clipping of this article, Chippers are battered by soaring costs, was pinned to the popular's fridge on the summer day the family huddled to make a decision. This is the end, Graham said, isn't it? They telephoned the Dundee newspaper again, which published a story confirming the popular would close after 35 years. Graham's daughter Gaynor puts an announcement online. The next day, as soon as we opened the doors at 11.30am, Graham said, we were mobbed. Generations of customers, grandparents, grandkids, people asked why. I told them the enjoyment had gone out of it from worrying all the time. I told them, if you'd kept coming even just once a fortnight, it might have been different. Before the main danger to fish and chip shops was the quarterly energy bill, it was sudden fire. Ignored for a moment, the hot cooking fat can get too hot, rising to an auto-ignition point and exploding. In a single year, 2018, there were serious fires at Old Salties in Glasgow, the Admiral in Overseal, Mr Chips in Fakenham, the Pilton Friar in Pilton, the Fish Bar in Fenham, Crossroads in King's Standing, Graylings in Fremington, the River Lane Fish Bar in Norfolk, the Portway Fish Bar in Rowley Regis, Bruno's on Canvey Island, Jimmy's Palace in Liverpool, Scoff's in Paynton and Moby Dick in Shirley. Doesn't matter how experienced you are, said Chris Lewis, one of the owners of the wee chippy in Anstruther. If something mechanical goes or something catches and you haven't seen it, that's it. That's your time. 
The wee chippies time came on Remembrance Sunday in 2018, in the middle of a lunch service. A fryer was distracted. The oil in the range ignited. A huge ball of fire was sucked into the wee chippies ventilator, leaving just enough time for staff and customers to flee before the ground floor was thick with smoke. In the subsequent blaze, unpeeled potatoes from the tatty lorry blistered and shrunk in their sacks. About a hundred North Sea haddocks cooked inside a fridge, jars of pickled eggs boiled and burst. Lewis and Ian Fleming, who both live nearby, came running. They watched from across the harbour road as the glass in the windows of their shop began to melt and pulsate. Jets of orange flame licked out the chimney pots. Fleming, he of the sharp tattoo, had opened this fish and chip shop in 1999 in perverse defiance of the fact that there was already a popular alternative, the Anstruther Fish Bar, just a short way along the harbour road. After the 2018 fire, Fleming's insurance claim was rejected. We were classed as having a flammable material behind the plasterboard, he told me. He talked it over with Lewis and they decided to spend their own money on a refurbishment, if only to give the insurance company as well as their rivals in Anstruther a kick in the nuts, as Fleming put it. Between them, they spent nine months and a six-figure sum getting the wee chippy back open in summer 2019. Now, in summer 2022, conditions were tougher than Fleming had ever known them. As consumers battled rising costs of living at home, they were eating out less. Because they were eating out less, proprietors were being forced to charge more right when they could least afford to discourage custom. There is a fish bar in Cardiff, John's, that shut in 2001 and has never been bought or altered since. A decaying menu at John's still advertises a takeaway portion of fish and chips for the unthinkable price of £2.45. Two decades later, the same meal cost £9.40 at the wee chippy. Few proprietors dared breach the holy barrier of £10. In fact, the owners of a shop called Cafe Fish in Belfast had done some honest maths and concluded that, given prevailing costs, fish and chips ought to be selling for about £15 per portion. Who would pay it? Fleming wondered. If motivation ever flagged at the wee chippy, Fleming and Lewis only had to think of their nearest rivals up the road. For decades, the wee chippy had been engaged in a losing battle with the Anstruther fish bar, which had achieved outsized fame since it opened in the 1980s, doing much to establish the East Nuke as an area of excellence for fish and chips. Prince William was a customer there during his student days. His stepmother, Camilla, later stopped a royal motorcade on the harbour road and sent in a security guard for takeaways. The Anstruther Fish Bar had won every industry award going. It was celebrated in guidebooks and travel pieces. Sometimes, Fleming and Lewis watched through the windows of their shop as tourists parked on the terrace outside, wandering along the harbour to eat at the Anstruther Fish Bar, later compounding the insult by putting their scraped clean takeaway trays in the wee chippies' bins. Over time, there had been squabbles between the two neighbouring businesses over property, parking, staffing, branding, packaging, naming rights, as well as dibs on who could sell which variety of savoury pudding. Such rivalries were quite common, I learned. One day, I got talking to an East Newark man called Murray Cameron a former fisherman who now ran a mobile fish and chips service out of a modified Vauxhall Movano van. Cameron had his own beef with the Anstruther fish bar 
and with the wee chippy. Cameron said he had spent years perfecting the precise blend of flour and grains he put in his batter mix, and because of this he tended to hide his empty packaging in the bottom of his bins, fearful of his secret getting out. In every corner of the country, there are friars who fret about their nearest rivals, hourly remaking the same dish until they are tweaking it minutely, improving the batter cling the chip give, vying to be thought of as number one. By now I'd spent enough time in the East Nuke to notice that whenever friars complained about each other, there was one family, the Wises of Pitt and Weem, they exempted from criticism. Eckwise and his relatives had run the Pitt and Weem fish bar since the 1980s, taking it over from the Baird family before them the Smalls. This was a seriously adored village hub, one of the few places in Pitt and Weem that remained open after dark. The Wises' ancient cooker, wide as the room that contained it, and submarine-like in appearance, turned out takeaways that were passed to customers the old-fashioned way, wrapped in paper. Though the Pit and Weem fish bar wasn't often included in tourist books or internet must-try lists, people in the region knew how rare and special it was. An inexpensive gem that seemed to stand outside of time. When the Pit and Weem fish bar burned down at the end of summer 2022, it was a trauma felt for miles. Thanks for listening to The Guardian Long Read. We'll be back after this. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Audio Long Read is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash audiolongread today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash audiolongread. Welcome back to The Guardian Long Read. The fire started on a Tuesday afternoon, hours after the tatty lorry passed through on a run. 
Flames massed in the cramped interior of the shop, burning up the neck curtains, popping out windows, sending a shaft of dark smoke over Pittenweem's church and towards the sea. A passing neighbour rushed in to drag out Wise, who had been cooking at the range and, according to a later account by an eyewitness, was dazed by smoke. Fire engines were on the scene for hours. By morning, the shop was unrecognisable, its painted sign gone, the front walls blistered and cracked. When he drove through Pitt and Weem again in October 2022, Richard Murray slowed down his tatty lorry to pass the ruined shop. He turned off his music. Devastating, he muttered. Arriving in Anstruther soon afterwards, Murray parked near the seaweed-covered beach as usual. He fell into conversation with Ian Fleming, who was waiting in the chill outside the wee chippy, peering along the harbour road. Town's quieting down, Fleming observed. Murray nodded. As they started to unload sacks of potatoes, the two men chatted about the terrible frequency of fires in their industry. In former times, Fleming said, you could try to rebuild after a fire, just about trusting that the fish and chip economy would support you. Even after the wee chippy was denied its insurance payout back in 2018, the market seemed stable enough to make the risk of reinvestment worthwhile. Now, in 2022, when uncertainty prevailed, would it even be possible to bring a burned fish and chip shop back? That's where you worry about Eck, Murray said to Fleming. Aye, growled Fleming. Seen him? Fleming shook his head. I texted. A lot of people in the East Nuke had been sharing memories of the Pit and Weem shop, using Facebook forums to gather anecdotes and photographs. Former employees at the fish bar spoke of after-school jobs peeling or cleaning. Customers memorialised favourite orders. That autumn when I visited an East Nuke seafood business run by a family called the Wilsons, the two married owners reminisced about a courtship spent eating unimprovable Pit and Weem takeaways. People stood in queues so long, Wendy Wilson remembered, the line would snake away from the wise's door beyond the local bank, wrapping around the village church. Since the fire, the village had lost something irreplaceable, a queue to join, a set of flavours and smells, an illuminated place to go after dark, a takeaway to eat on a seawall. It is an article of faith, that fish and chips tastes better, best, when eaten by the sea. I've agreed with this sentiment all my life, without wondering why it might be so, except to think that being near a shoreline must equate to freshness of fish. It did used to be the case that many East Newark villages could support their own seafood markets. When the Pit and Weem Fish Bar first opened, in the 1980s, haddocks were bought off the boats in Pit and Weem Harbour. Today, an auction house in Peterhead on the northeast tip of Scotland is all that's left on one whole side of the country. Almost every haddock that's fried in the East Nuke has been trucked a hundred miles south from Peterhead first. Why, then, should fish and chips by the sea taste special? In a place like this, I think it must be the continued intimacy between fish as a trade and fish as a meal. As well as part owning the wee chippy, Ian Fleming is a seafood trader. He is the son of a seafood trader. Before he became a friar, Eckwise was a fisherman, the son of a fisherman. 
Down on Pittenweem Harbour, two bronze statues, a mother and a daughter, face the choppy water, memorialising all the local people who have tried to make a living from the sea, as well as the 400 or so who have died trying since the 1800s. Decades ago, Fleming's father-in-law drowned in a fishing accident. Many, many people in the East Nuke have lost a friend, an uncle, a cousin. Fishing is a serious matter here. Fish and chips is a serious meal. It was December 2022. The Pit and Wean fish bar had burned down. The popular in Dundee was closed. The wee chippy clung on, though tourists would not visit the East Nuke in any sort of number again until the spring. After about 5pm, the whole coast could seem abandoned. Just the tide, audible in the dark, as well as the grumble of salt lorries as they gritted the roads in case of a freeze. When I visited Fleming at his house on the outskirts of Anstruther, he opened his ledger to see how many haddocks they were getting through at the wee chippy in the off-season. Not so many haddocks, he frowned, putting aside the book. We're telling ourselves that business is down because of the frozen roads. That might be denial. In Dundee, the Forbes family had stripped and emptied the popular, selling off a fridge, a chest freezer, a bain-marie, two menu boards as well as their till and the small paper rolls that were meant for future receipts. Tables one, two and three were uprooted and taken away for use in a restaurant in Inverness. Lindsay Forbes accepted a job with a wholesaler. Graham and Angela Forbes retired. The next time Graham walked by the popular around Christmas, there was a to-let sign in the window. He could still see his own tacked-up notice to customers, explaining the closure. No other option, Graham had written. In Pit and Weem, charred wood and plaster were heaped on the pavement outside the ruined fish bar. Cones and metal fencing stopped passers-by getting too close. The scene appeared frozen in time since the fire, even though months had passed, even though the Wise family had written a message to customers saying they hoped to rise from the ashes if they could. Murray Cameron, the mobile friar who travelled around the villages of the East Nuke in his van, had never once encroached on Wise's territory in Pittenweem. It was his tribute to Wise, his show of confidence that one day Wise would bring this business back. Behind the scenes, as a member of the Wise family later told a local newspaper, Eck was taking the closure badly. Like losing a limb, said his wife Anna. As more and more weeks went by without the fire damage being cleared, Fleming began to doubt the prospects of a revival. He had experienced a blaze at first hand. He remembered how crushing it was, waiting weeks and months to get answers from an insurance company, all for nothing in the end because the wee chippy's claim was refused. As 2022 turned to 2023 and another month passed without the wreckage outside the Pit and Weem fish bar being cleared, Fleming worried more and more about his friend. Elsewhere around the country, a fish and chip shop called The Little Friar in Southampton had to close. Unsustainable costs. The Dolphin in Belfast closed, as did the Seafarer in Northwich and the High Place in Alston. The owners of Simpsons in Quedgley felt they were busy, thriving even, but their energy bill had quadrupled, so it closed. Staff at the Wheeldon Fish Bar in Stoke-on-Trent 
told their local newspaper they were clinging on by leaving the lights off whenever they could. Simeon's in Glasgow was listed for sale, along with about 700 other fish and ship shops, including the Ocean King in Gosport, the Haddock Paddock in Cumbria, and Igton Hill Traditional in Burnley. Smarts in Abingdon closed. At the end of January 2023, Fleming received a text message from a friend. He was told that Eck had died that day. It was sudden. The police were not treating the death as suspicious. The family put out a photograph online that showed Eck behind the range at his old fish and chip shop, where he was happiest, they wrote, where he belonged. There are fancier meals than fish and chips. There are bigger ticket meals, those we put on bucket lists or pencil in for birthdays. We look to fish and chips for something different, which I think of as constancy, a firm handrail to our pasts. As a schoolboy, I often bought lunch from Andrews in Enfield, where they would douse a takeaway with the leftover brine from pickled gherkins. Later I went to university in Yorkshire. The taste of sweet curry sauce over chips will forever turn me 18. My parents' parents were from different backgrounds. Every spring at Passover, my maternal family would gather to eat fried fish from a London takeaway. Every autumn, we would drive 500 miles north to visit my paternal family in Aberdeen. My Jewish grandma and my Protestant gran were very different people. Both put absolute trust in fried fish as a food that would unite and infuse a bunch of disparate relatives. The same as hearing a Beatles tune, or re-watching the snowman at Christmas, or raising up a pint of foaming beer, fish and chips is a national pleasure we expect to repeat and repeat. Impossible to imagine eating this meal for the last time. When a shop called Kong's in Greater Manchester announced it would close, following so many others, People massed outside as if for a week. There was a one-hour wait to get inside, then a two-hour wait. In the queue, they joked about buying extra portions to freeze them and sell them on to anybody suffering Kong's withdrawals. We don't expect these takeaways to be taken away. We imagine dining in in perpetuity. In spring 2023, the Loford Fish Bar in Burlesden closed its owners describing the decision as the hardest of their lives. At around the same time, Jack Spratt's superior in Oldham closed after 25 years of continuous trading. Skirtcoat Green Fish Bar in Halifax closed after 40 years. Jackson's Chippy in Ilkston closed after 62 years. The owner of Sam's Fish Bar in Fenton said he was moonlighting as a delivery driver to stay afloat. Pawson's Golden Place in Chorley closed. Earlier this month I was back on a tatty run through the East Nuke. The weekly delivery was no longer being driven by Richard Murray. It was no longer weekly. With fewer businesses to sell to, potato orders in the region were often so reduced that Murray's boss, Connor Booth, could handle a delivery using his pickup truck. Booth met me in the truck and we thundered along the coast road. It was raining. A real drich, Booth said. As we went, he talked about potato prices, twice what they were a year ago and causing yet another threat to businesses. There had been a weak seasonal yield. It was unfortunate timing. And fish and chips, Booth said, 
If there wasn't bad luck, there wouldn't be any luck. Booth had a one-month-old baby waiting for him at home and he was eager to finish the delivery run and get back. Parenthood had brought up a confusion of memories, he said, as well as premonitions about the future. He had been remembering driving around with his granddad when he was small, hearing about vanished local businesses, some of which were impossible for him to picture. That used to be a bootmaker, his granddad would say, pointing. That used to be a knife sharpener. Booth wondered if he would drive a grandchild of his own along this coast, if he would have to explain there used to be these places we called fish bars. It stopped raining. Booth delivered some final potatoes, then let me out of the truck at Pittenweem Cemetery. As the sky brightened overhead, the damp reddish gravel of the cemetery path started to dry, getting its crunch back. The night before Wise's funeral in February, there had been a great spectacle in these skies. An aurora that flared purple and green. The following morning there was another extraordinary sight in Pittenweem. The village was full of people. Not only Wise's family and friends, but his customers, hundreds of whom had turned out to say goodbye. There were so many mourners that the church did not have enough pews. They ran out of standing room. Mourners left outside started to line the route to the cemetery and later joined the funeral procession as it passed. Wise was buried next to his father, who had run the family shop before him. After paying my respects, I walked along the coast to Anstruther. It was tea time. The harbour was busy with boats. Riggings clacked and hissed in the breeze. A dad on a bench fed his toddler one scrap of batter at a time. A middle-aged couple sat in their car. They had a tray propped between them, two teas and china cups, cutlery from home and steaming takeaway boxes on their laps. At about 6pm, I met Ian Fleming outside the wee chippy. They had a good number of customers in the dining room. The shop was enjoying a bit of a summer season revival, Fleming said. They had recently won a Scottish catering award, beating their rivals up the road for once. The wee chippy would abide through another summer, at least. We waited and got a table. The waitress asked, Do you want fish and chips? Thanks again for listening to The Guardian Long Read. That was A Funeral for Fish and Chips, Why Are Britain's Chippies Disappearing? by Tom Lamont. Read by Chris Riley and produced by Nicola Alexandru. The executive producer was Ellie Bury. For more Guardian Long Reads in text and a selection in audio, go to theguardian.com forward slash longread. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. At Airbus, we bring the world together. Our aircraft connects communities, facilitating cross-cultural communication. 
Our satellite technology enables communication across the world and allows us to explore space, expanding human knowledge to create a better future on Earth. At Airbus, we're pioneering sustainable aerospace for a safe and united world. Learn more at airbus.com.